Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. Here we are again. It is Wednesday or whenever you're listening to us tonight. And uh, thank you again. We love having you all out there. And we want you to multiply it like little bunnies because it's around Easter. We need a lot of followers. We want to stay on. We're having so much fun with this. We'll miss it. So uh, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, I want to introduce my, my partner in so many things, Patrick Picciarelli, who wrote hey, this everybody. marvelous book. And Megan, who we're corrupting, and my uh, father's going to get a warrant <laughs> out for our arrest. <laughs> Never. And, and uh, here we I are. I understand she wants to buy an Italian restaurant, and she's wearing pointy shoes. Is that true? It's all happening, yeah. Pat. All right. She's starting to talk with a New York accent, too. <laughs> <laughs> my Philly accent's gone. It's all New York now. So what should be our conversation now? As, well, you know, as I sip on of, my martini. <laughs> one of my favorite parts uh, in writing this book was about the uh, Iranian Vatican Bank connection, Chicago connection, Tony Accardo connection. It all comes together. And uh, that, that was, you know, out of the entire book, that was my favorite. Well, that's great, because you never told me which was your favorite. We had That's so much like fun writing. It was insane. I mean, it, it was it was exciting. It was funny. Uh, it was enlightening. I learned stuff. I was tell us about. It. Well, what, what how that started? It's funny because, uh, as our listeners know, I got involved early on with Mister Costello, and he gave me the credibility. Then through the years, with the other families, all through United States, and then even my credibility overseas. And traveling to Sicily and all that. And as I matured, they realized I can handle myself and be trusted, which was one of the biggest things in the world. And for him to do to what they used to say, you know, be my rabbi and stand up for me and, and you know, basically sponsored me with everything. My next move was Vegas. And then Vegas was uh, controlled by most families, but the most powerful families were Chicago and New York. I mean, we could talk about, you know, um, Raymond Petriaca representing New England had the Dunes Hotel. Everybody, St. Louis had the Aladdin Hotel. So all the families ran their own properties. And that's why there was a code that nothing goes down in Vegas. There's no murders, there's no robberies. and. Everybody loved it, actually, because when the mob was running Vegas, it was a totally different Vegas than it is today. Disneyland so, now. Now, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, kids with <laughs> strollers, and they have, they have lines where you can pit. Don't pass this line with the stroller at midnight. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> and uh, flip-flops. I never saw flip-flops in a casino floor during the, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You had to be dressed. Yes. It was crazy. But... How this all came to be for me, again, I was, we, I was carrying money, a lot of money, from the different cages, and uh, that's the counting rooms for the people who are not familiar. The counting rooms in the casino are like little mini banks, and some of them had more money than some local banks, oh. especially on the weekend takes. And uh, no one was allowed in there, there's about six people. and. Uh, I was one of those people because I was a courier for them. They all knew the kid. 
And it took me a while to go from the floor into the cage. And then with that said, I met a guy who became like my my only brother and I done, you know, from a different mother, Nick Nitty. And we traveled the world together. I mean, he was a legend. His family is a legend. I mean, um, you talk about Nick Nitty and you think of Frank Nitty. You talk about a guy who's a made guy, stand-up guy, took over after Capone. Mm. Most people didn't know. Maybe you don't even notice, Pat. He had, claust- he had claustrophobia. So they, they picked him up on a, a bullshit rap. But even for those two weeks, he was like a maniac. So when they finally got him, and they were going to ha- come down with heavy stuff, and uh, and I and, and the, the Nitty family doesn't even mind me saying it because we've I've spoken to the grandchildren about it because they know so little about Frank Nitty, and uh, what happened was he had he had meetings with everybody he knew and uh, and and Ricardo obviously all of them were together and a guy called Yale Cohen who I totally adored. Yale Cohen was a bodyguard for Capone, as was Tony Accardo. And that's how Tony Accardo got the nickname Tony Bats, because he only used baseball bats. And he took care of everything with baseball bats. His last claim to fame was taking the Spilatro brothers out. Not that he did it, but he wanted them killed with baseball bats, just so his message would be sent. So with all that said, and I, I, I like legendary, classy, you know, mob guys, because they were so stand up. I mean, even like my friend uh, we talked about before, the, the old man, uh, Rapa, the guy cut his own arm off. I mean, how do you do that? Why? Well, and it's short. Well, he got pinched <laughs> and they handcuffed him in Sicily to the pole, and he was like 16 years old. And when they come back, only oh, the wrist that. to the elbow was in the <laughs> handcuffs. I can't even imagine that. I mean, and this guy, to now, I still know him. He's still around, believe it or not. He's uh, way up there. But that stump, don't let him hit you with that stump. I mean, forget it. But what happened with Nitty, which I find very interesting, he, he had to turn himself in on that Monday, and he went to church with his family. Well, Frank, not the son. Frank, yeah. Uh, did I say Nick? Oh, you just said Nitty. No, 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 Frank Nitty. He went to church with his family and all of that, and then he took a walk down near, you know, down down near the the, the river there, and he just blew his brains out. He he would not go to jail. He couldn't take it, and he knew he was going to go for fifteen or twenty years, so he just killed himself. I mean, these guys. I mean, you talk about. This was old school, man. And uh, just because he was he was uh, claustrophobic. Yeah, but that, that's enough when you have that, you know, irrational fear. There's nothing that could overcome it. I mean, right? Takes yeah. over your life. And he talked to everybody about it and said, "I'm not going in." But nobody knew he was going to be that drastic. Why don't oh. you take off? <laughs> I yeah, mean, right. me, I, you know, I went on the lamb so many times. Right. They thought I was Mary Mary, quite contrary. Oh you know. my God! No, but it was nuts. But with that said, I get to meet the legendary Nick Nitty. I mean, this guy had a reputation like nobody. And fun guy, and he was doing the same thing I was doing for New York, he was doing for Chicago. And this is during the time when um, 
we're jumping ahead because of uh, our, our next book, but it'll give you something to think about. When Howard Hughes accepted a, a, a great military aviation contract from the government with the understanding he was going to use the money to buy up casinos so that because the American government couldn't be in front of free enterprise, mm-hmm. he was going to front them. And we're getting, I don't want to go there, but that's how this all came about. So we had to have a new way of getting the money out and laundering because we knew they were coming. So we had a good friend at the Valley Bank, Perry Thomas, and God rest his soul. This guy was a squeaky clean Mormon from Salt Lake, but he knew everybody and everybody knew him. And he was fascinated with them all. So the money used to leave the cages. So that was in the new system. Let it get into, you know, armored cars, go to the Valley Bank, and it's done. Mm. Then we'd show up on Monday, Nick and I, to the Valley Bank, and they'd give us all fresh new $100 bills, not the 10s and the 20s. I was, I was counting so much money, sometimes ridiculous. But this, they gave us all stacks in bands. What kind of, what kind of money are we talking about? We took about two, three million a pop. And all, all, all the new wrappers, all the $10,000 counts, you know. <laughs> How often would you do this? I, I would do it once a month. And so and then when, when we had that going on, that's when they figured, let's start moving a lot of this cash. Because a lot of the banks, even I, I remember the uh, Miami National Bank was charging us to keep the money there because they had so much money and they were worried about the Federal Reserve. We were putting more money in the bank than they had a bond for, which a lot of lay people don't know that. So the Vatican Bank, uh, Bishop Marcinkus, who was a Monsignor in Chicago, that's why the only bank, uh, only branch of the Banca de Roma is in Chicago, even to, to this day. And all the rest are all in all Rome and all through Italy. But he becomes the fiduciary to the Vatican money. What does that word mean? Well, he takes care of all their money. Okay. You're a college student, I'm telling you. I've I'm never heard that word in my life. you never heard of no. a fiduciary? Nope. Okay. Dan, if you're listening, get your money he back on the He probably doesn't know what it means either. <laughs> he does too. No. Nope. Anyway, Don't so. Don't pay for the next semester. Yeah. <laughs> it's over now, almost. So, all right. so anyway. This guy becomes the fiduciary to the Vatican Bank, and uh, we go over there. In fact, when you, whoever has our book, and hopefully the world does by this time, and it seems like they do anyway, there are pictures of me at the Fountain of Trivia with Tony Accardo, our pilot, who was our, actually our pilot, but he actually was a pilot for Alitalia, so he would charter planes for us and take big, and we're building up to where Pat was bringing us to when we took the Shaw down. Not down, we, we helped him. But this is how we started this. And it was a thing where we would go to Rome once a month and with these bags of money, this is before 9-11, and we could move 10, 20 million at a time. And we had an engineer's bag, just like the pilots had, and we'd meet them in the Alitalia Lounge and we'd switch bags. Mm. 
<laughs> he'd take our money on board and to be in the cockpit. And then when we came on, we would give him our big and he'd take our big. <laughs> People have to understand during this time when you bought a ticket anywhere, you didn't give any name. Oh, anyway, never had yeah. to identify right, yourself. Right, the security wasn't paid, nearly as high. Cash. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, our friend, Kirk Kikorian, and then uh, after Howard Hughes, they bought TWA. So we were getting tickets for TV. I'd fly as Mary Poppins. Oh they my didn't gosh. care. <laughs> I had tickets. And we, and we always had, you know, because of the captain, he was, uh, we were on his schedule because we wouldn't chance anything. Because mm -hmm. when we landed in, the, in, the, in the Leonardo da Vinci, we didn't go through the terminal. So it had to be the captain, you know, this was before they had the gates that rolled up. You went downstairs and you walked to the terminal. We'd have the Vatican's cars waiting for us, and we'd just hand over the money. So you bypassed customs? Everything. Wow. And they would, and sometimes we'd get in the car with them if we wanted to go somewhere, or sometimes we'd just, you know, wander through and go to the Ambassadori Hotel and hang out a day or two. Who's driving these Vatican cars? Uh, hello, priests. And they'd mark our luggage with white chalk. It was so funny. And, and these, these priests armed? I mean, they got millions of dollars. Oh, no, but no, they're not armed. No, they need to be armed. Nobody's, nobody's fooling around with the Vatican cars. Yeah, that makes that's sense. true. And, and nobody, if, if, if they were armed, I think it would bring us more attention. Mm. We, would, we were just dignitaries to the church. They did that a lot, though. They would pick up people coming in and that were going to the Vatican. They'd pick them right there on the tarmac. Because who, who's going to stop them? First of all, most people don't realize Vatican City is like the United Nations. The United Nations may be in New York, but it's not recognized as any piece of land. It mm -hmm. may be housed here, but there is no jurisdiction of the, of the United Nations Police Department, as is the Vatican. The Vatican may be in Rome, but it has its own police department, and it's Vatican City. It's their city. So nobody played with it, especially during these times. But that's how this all came about. So spinning forward, Nick Nitty and I, and the interesting thing, because I was always cautious that I didn't want to get caught carrying heavy money. I was never a felon. So with that, I became a legitimate courier. I got bonds. So if you did stop me, I'd show you. You can't. Oh wow! You couldn't open it. And I, I always had a hand, a handcuff with me. I hated handcuffs. I always had handcuffs with me, just in case somebody boarded the plane. I'd throw a handcuff on my bag and on my wrist and oh. show them my letter. Oh. So I'm a courier. You can't touch this money, because the last thing you want to do is have them confiscate right. that kind of money. Then tell yeah. them why, who, what, and where. So anybody I bother you? No, never. Never, nobody ever bothered me. Wow. So we really got to be the name for heavy money, like even the Khashoggi, the big arms dealer. We went to Switzerland one time for him and brought the money for him because they, we had that kind of respect. And uh, I can't say who, but we will, in the book, we, uh, the new book we made, uh, a friend of ours bought a nuclear submarine <laughs> And they delivered it in, in, in Switzerland, which was neutral territory, mm -hmm. from Adnan Khashoggi. And Adnan Khashoggi is like the most known 
arms dealer in the world. We got we got very close. We did a lot of money with him. But uh, Nick and I were getting to be re so respectful all over. I mean, we were meeting kings and queens and Prince oh Rainier gosh. and Grace Kelly, and that's how we got the call from General Modaba, who was the general under the Pasha for the Iranian army. And they all knew that, you know, the Khomeini was taking over and they were gonna get rid of the Pasha. So we met with them, we met at a party in the general's house two or three months prior with another client. And uh, he called me in, in Las Vegas. And uh, he said, Mr. Russo, we need your services. I said, okay. He says, how much can you move at one time? I said, we don't have a limit. He says, what'd you say? I said, there's no limit. He said, when can you be here? I said, well, I have to contact my friend, Mr. Nitty, and we'll make plans. I said, when do you want us? He says, as soon as you can come. I said, it's definitely be worth our while. He said, I guarantee that. Mm. So we left and we went over and we figured out what they needed. And thank God Nick and I had the knowledge of what and the amounts we were moving. So we made a decision We'll go to Sicily for a day, pick up our own crew. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want, you know, we could have been military, could have been Khomeini guys. We didn't know who was doing what. So we had our own people. And what we told them when we got there, when you meet us at the airport, go to a sporting goods store and buy equipment bags for soccer. Because they're mm. huge. And they all bought like six, seven bags and put them into bags. They flew back with us with our trusty pilot, fortunately. Mm -hmm. And this was like a military move. And Pat, you wrote it so well. I mean, I felt the tensity myself as we got into the last hour, which we'll get into in this story. So we told them, while we're gone, request all your money from all the banks around the world. Have it transferred. You have, to, you have to explain to people that the Shah basically had to get out of Dodge really quick. Right. And he had no way to get the money out. He had so much money, and no way to get it out. Mm. And That's the, why you guys are there. Yeah, and the, the thing was that they felt once he fell, they don't know if these other banks would respect him as the leader of the country, and these monies were all over the place. Mm. So he ordered all the money back in. And they had spies in the Khomeini as the Khomeini had with them. That's why they had to get a, a, a really a closed mouth group to help the Shah. So all this money came in and the Shah what? and the Pasha and the Khomeini was laughing. Because look, he said, look at their order and all their money. They don't know, we're gonna raid them and we're gonna have all this money. They loved it. So they let it all come in. How much money are we talking about? Uh, I think a final count was almost 80 million. But, I mean, this was nuts though. I mean, the adrenaline, the way you wrote it, is exactly what we were feeling. So in an hour, in an hour, we had the teams and we took down six major banks. I was the last car and we had trusted guys with General Modaba and the Pasha's people with us. And I'm the last car and as we're approaching the airport in Tehran, which was, you know, like, any out of field when you get to the runways, there's only anchor fences. 
the, you know, we had another mile to get to the main entrance. And we're driving, and half tracks, military vehicles, are passing us on the highway. They're about to close down the airport. And we had it down strategically with our captain that wheels are up at four o'clock. The banks were closing at three. We were going to hit it all and be on the plane at four. After locking the door, we were the only ones in there. Right. Timing was everything. Yeah, timing was everything. They were, they were taking over the country that day. That day. And we oh. knew it was happening, but we didn't know it was going to happen that fast. Yeah. So we thought we were like, you know, 12 hours ahead of them or 24 hours ahead of them with the, with the intel that they had. So fortunately, my car was the last car, and I could see I'm not going to make it to the fence. We already had our timing. I saw that was like, you know, 3.56, four minutes. Mm. We had to take off. That's, that's going to be suspicious because we had our wheels up at four. Right. So I, t I reach into the bag. I, it was ran. I mean, it was a handful of big dollars, bulks of money. And I handed to the military driver we had. I said, this is a tip for you. Get me to the plane. He said, I am. I said, no, make a right. And he said, there's no gate. I said, that's the idea. He hit the anchor fence. We dragged it across the field, oh across the, the airfield, got out. My guys jumped out, took all the bags. As the, we were taxiing down as the, the door was closing, and we got out of there. Talk about adrenaline rush. That is crazy. It was like insane. And we were holding our ears, waiting for military guns to shoot us out of the sky, maybe. But thank God we used Alitalia planes. Italy is neutral. Right. If we had an American plane, forget oh. about it. They would have shot us down. And then Nick and I were dying because we went right to the Vatican, dropped off the money, and we stayed a day, and we're flying back. And we're reading all the news, you know, when the committee took over. Mm -hmm. And he's boasting about all the money in the banks. And <laughs> we were laughing because when they opened those vaults, there's nothing there. We took it all. That was one of my greatest capers. I, I wow. like his quote when the Ayatollah, uh, Ayatollah says, the, the, the Shah left Iran without a cent. The fact. That's crazy. We had the money. We had it all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How many bags? Oh my God! There, I mean, there were like six, seven bags because their money isn't that weird. Notes that you could wallpaper your bathroom with, you know, a hundred dollars. But uh, no, we had all. Thank God we had the team we did. No, and then we just—they met us again. Wheels when we landed in Rome, the Vatican cars came, and we got, we gave them slips. They signed it and it was done. We we had nothing to do with it. It was all perfect. Wow. We got a percentage. What in it? What's in it for the Vatican? Well, they I, on, on that kind of money, they were taking like 10%. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. Of the big percentage. Yeah. No, I mean, well, well, let me tell you this. There was no other way to get rid of it. Even drug money, they're taking that kind of money. Mm. But, you know, 2 or 3% just overnights is big money, though. So, but uh, that that was one, like, I, I thought my, my head was going to bust because my, my head, everything was pulsating because I knew, you know, I'd, I'd be killed, first of all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a big responsibility. But the but I have to say this, to Pat, not because you're on, uh, here with me, but 
the way you wrote that scene, everybody says that scene is amazing. It's got to be a movie. I said, well, that's what we're thinking. That's what we're trying <laughs> to do. I mean, that, it, it, you have to, you know, I, I had to get in your head. I could imagine what you were feeling. You approach the main gate of that airport and is the opposition is there guarding the gate. You can, well, you, you had described it, some of it here. You actually saw the plane but couldn't get to it. Yeah. Well, that's why I told him our plane was at the end of the plane compared to where the gate was, was down the other side of the runway where I was coming from. You can see it, but you couldn't get to it. That's right. So I told him, here's this is for you. She said, there's no gate. I said, make one. And he, there's now. <laughs> Bust down the fence. But he dragged, maybe he had to drag 20, 30 feet of anchor fence. But when he saw all that cash, he didn't care. Yeah, right. If you got some stories, man. You ought to write a book. Yeah, I, I think we did. <laughs> Good joke, Pat. Oh, oh, we don't, we don't, Pat. Though, I, I often wonder what happened to those guys. I mean, how did they get out of it? You know, you're on one side one day, you're on the next side the other day, following day. Right. No, either that or they were they were killed on the spot. But no, I don't think that you could possibly get rid of everybody. These guys are valuable. In their own right, they worked for the Shah. They're, oh yeah, they why need, not? They needed their. Wasn't it benefit to switch? Right, right, right. Probably what they did. You never heard from this general again. No, the general, the general, I never heard from again, and uh, he died soon after, as did the Pasha. I went to visit the Pasha because he came here. He had colon cancer, and he was. Yeah, I guarded him when I was a cop. You kidding? Some me. security. Oh. I yeah, probably. Some, yeah, wait a minute now. Yeah, we were in the tactical patrol force. Tell and, us the uh, story. They had rings, cops around that hospital. Shah oh. went there to be treated. I mean, you know, we were in uniform, uniform cops. So maybe we met and we didn't even know it. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But he was there. Which it was. It was a hospital on the east side. That's all I remember. Yeah, New York Presbyterian. Okay. But you know what's funny? I because they they I forgot what they call those things, and. Um, that the, the men used to wear for their hair, because I used to go to you know, the thing that, mm -hmm. that they go to church with and all the temple with. So I went in with that on in a suit. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I was so tan, they didn't even question me. They, you know, they, you know, I had my credentials, and uh, I went to see him. And then he went to Hawaii. Fashion trend. What's that? It started a fashion trend. Yeah, I almost did. <laughs> how, how, how long did he last? Well, he then, then, as you remember, he went to Hawaii, and that's where he passed in Hawaii. But he wasn't he wasn't gone that long out of Iran, right? How long did he? Buy? Oh no, no, he, he, yeah, he was, he was a, a, maybe maybe I think three years the most. Yeah. And you know what's good though? What I feel good about, I, I always look for the good that I did. The the money that I took out, two of his younger kids became doctors in America. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and the grandchildren too. They're all doctors. That's, yeah. The, and their last name is, you know, well, I can't tell you who they are, but they <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I almost, I almost ruined their profession. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, the Vatican. We're talking about so much over the Vatican. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. No, I mean, even Vegas started to count on getting, I mean, they really didn't know, Vegas themselves, the operators, because we didn't trust them. But Accardo and and Costello and Maya Lansky, I have to throw in there, and Mo Daylitz, now that we're putting the group together. 
but they knew what we were doing and they thought it was brilliant because it was non-traceable and they didn't want the money in America because if the feds ever got wind of it, they could just seize the accounts. And nobody had any any relationship with the Vatican Bank. Tell us about the relationship. I mean, you know, the bank is the bank. Who runs, who runs Vatican City? Who runs the banks? It's the Pope. The Pope. Oh, no, it's the Pope. Okay, no. so got a bunch of popes in that period of time. Uh, you were there for one funeral. Well, t- tell a story. Well, I was there for, uh, you know, John Paul when he died. And then we said we'd stay, and the Monsignor, who's our main guy, Masinkas, he said, why don't you stay a couple of weeks, you know, or come back, we're gonna have an inaugural of a new pope, because they vote the new pope in. So, you know, we, we didn't care. We, we flew all over, we'd go to South of France. We had a lot of fun. We had, only, all we had was money <laughs> and a big appetite for women and booze. So why not stay? American so, way. Yeah, hello. So now they vote this new pope in, and we go to the inaugural. So now we've gone to a funeral and an inaugural. 30 days. In, in 30 days. Now that guy lasts less than 30 days. Because unbeknownst to us, the body of cardinals and he gets in, he had a rumor of what was going on with the Banca de Roma, and his whole platform was he's not going along with it. Oh. So they gave him a hot tea one night, and they, they killed him. Oh so my now, God. You know, you know, this is Catholic history, a nice oh, Catholic girl. Yeah, the Catholic <laughs> history I wasn't aware of. Not only that, you, you have to understand you know, that the world is watching this. Them even consider terminating a pope after 30 days. They have to know, you know that there's going to be conspiracy theories and how did this guy die. He was healthy on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, the guy's dead. How did they explain that? He caught a cold? I mean, what was the cause of death? I, I, again, though, but see, the good news about Vatican City, it's run, like you said, by the Catholic Church. They don't have to answer to anyone. All they did say is the guy died in his death. I mean, you know, he wasn't that old either. He's not like... They say he died in his sleep and then no explanation? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. And I think the teacup somebody put in their pocket and left with it. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, there, I mean that, that, there's so many, as we all, you know, we, we've been involved in so many conspiracies, meaning you and I, Pat, through my book. I mean, all the, I mean, all the stuff that goes on with the government, the CIA, and look at the Kennedys. I mean, when they want to sweep something under the rug, it's gone. No, but that just indicates the power of the mob to take out, get, get a president. That's one thing. Country and what you want with them, and you can maybe get away with it, but to sanction murder of a pope. You know, but I, I, you know, I'm going to say something to you because I've had. I mean, I was I was there, and we had all this. The mob had nothing to do with it. Okay, it was a decision. <laughs> it was a decision in the Vatican because they were making so much money this with this. What are we going to do? Wait for a collection basket on Sunday? Mm. Who are the gangsters here, man? Hello. Yeah, it makes you wonder, makes you think. Well, I think Marcinkus had a good crew, you know, and, 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 and a lot of loyal, uh, you know, my, my great-grandfather was a, a knight of Malta. The knights of Malta are the guards within the home of the Pope in the Vatican. It's cheered down that to that, 
These guys are like the Mossad. There's nobody powerful in them, and they'll take anybody out. And you know, they're talking. You, you were talking about, and we only knew about what we were doing. Who else was doing this? That's true. So, yeah. I mean, organized crime all over the world. Yeah, and that's it. So, and Masinkas. I mean, uh, you know, and that's why I was interested because you know Mario Puzo was my house guest, at when he because uh, of Johnny Agnelli Fiat Motor Company, he afforded me his house every summer in the south of France. He really liked me, and. Uh, so Mario came over cause he, uh, for the accolades and he won the Palm Award because he wrote the screenplay to Superman. Oh. And nobody knew that. And which was great for me because who was in Superman, the father of Superman, was Marlon Brando. So I had them at my house. So it was like saying, this is nuts, man. And he started talking about the next script and all of that. And in, if you remember, thank God the movie was such a bad movie, they touched on the Vatican Bank and Marcinkus. And Michael was moving his money in Godfather Three. He was getting rid of all his money and making donations to the church with the understanding of it coming back. So they touched on it on the periphery, thank mm. God. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'm surprised, although there's been conspiracy theories and rumors for many years about the shenanigans that the Vatican Bank oh my God, uh, was yeah. involved in. But of course, they have so much power that nothing ever went anywhere. No one gets indicted, nobody goes to jail. Right. That's, that's what I'm the saying. suicides there, people tend to go out for a cup of coffee and never come back. But uh, no one uh, was ever taken a task for this. No one was ever tried or convicted of anything. Well, the interesting thing, though, I think the history and the war and, and the the walls the walls of the ambassadori hotel because anybody that came to stay at the vatican was set up there and i've had so many dinners there myself with people and dignitaries that they invited me to and me i, I like going knob hobbing with all these royalty from all over but you could be sitting at a table and you'd have people from russia everywhere that you know were dealing indirectly or directly with the vatican bank i, I mean think this stuff when, is still going on yeah i mean if you start to think and uh, someone told me this years ago and I, I i think if we did the research on it the vatican bank understand they're the largest real estate holders in the world just look at the united states the amount of churches and schools mm -hmm. they pay no taxes they pay no property tax. Their land that they acquire, and look how it's inflated, the, the amount of money that they have amassed throughout the world, it's, it's untold. So I mean, and they, they're the largest single body of stockholders on any stock exchange in the world, including the New York Stock Exchange. So think of their portfolios in the Nico market, and any market, they have a sophistication that is, I mean, I don't even know what the wealth, that could be an interesting research. What's the wealth of the Catholic Church? Yeah, that would be really interesting. I mean, I, I think they don't want anybody to know because they'd have to give up those little baskets and some Sundays yeah, too. Right, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. School kids putting in their quarters and half dollars. Yeah, 
and the tuition. I remember oh, paying yeah. the tuition to the Catholic schools. I mean, they used to shake you down, man. They're, they're the best. Yeah. It's a whole, a whole new definition uh, for organized crime. Yeah. Get, get, what happened to Marcinke? He just died a natural death. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, I, I, I'm not, not too recently. That's a good question, too. I'm going to look that up. Well, no, see, when I, after a while, it got so crazy with me that I was getting too known, especially after 89 and my clubs in Vegas, I was becoming too recognized. And, and then the, the films, I just said, you know, I'm done. And thank God. How long, did, how long were you involved in this? Did you pull the plug? I, I was involved in it right up to when I became a high profile person, which would have been the Godfather in 72. So I had a great run. And um, how many years do you think? Probably I, moving money. Jesus. I started when I was in my teen, late teens, 18, 19. So I was like, I, I did almost nine, 10 years of it. But then I, you know, special accounts. I would still do today. Just for the adrenaline. What thing was, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's how, you, how you conducted your life. You knew when to walk away from stuff. Well, yeah, and I mean, we, we had a big problem, which I told one of my sons and my nephew. We were about to do something for Amalgam Marcus and, and Marcus himself, because uh, most people don't know it's part of American history. During the Second World War, there, when, when our money was backed by gold, mm -hmm. they sent a ship over, an unmarked ship, with the gold to, to uh, collateralize the payroll for the United States Army. And they sent it to the Philippines? Yep. And the ship never made it. I mean, this is an amazing story. And I went over, I investigated with it, and, uh, and in fact, I had two FBI agents with me just because they wanted to take on it. So we had, all, we had all the credentials we need. I was there about a year or two doing research on it. But you're talking about gold when it went under in like 42 or three. Well, it was the, the, there was a price fixed like $33 an ounce back. I know. So you needed, uh, I mean, so what did they surmise happened to this? War going on. It was sunk. Nobody knows where it is. So we got involved with some people that did know where it is. And by the time I got involved with it, it was already a hundred times that amount. I'm not a hundred times, but ten times. It was three hundred and nineteen dollars an ounce. It's pure gold. So it was down it's so it's down there somewhere. It's still there. Oh, it's still down there. Maybe unless people came in with we had a theory that maybe somebody came in with submarines and got it out. But uh, Marcus, you know, kept an eye on that that part of the sea in the world, and he had us convinced. But then we knew something was happening. I told my son and my nephew—he's probably listening to it right now—Joseph—to get out. And like you pointed out, I I could smell it, man. I'm the kind of guy who walks down the street and I said, you know, there's something going to happen here. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting a cab. <laughs> and uh, I did, and they they got in trouble. These kids, and wow. fortunately, you know, with connections and a lot of money, they only did one did six months, and none one did no time at all. 
But uh, I think I think instead of writing a second book, we should become deep sea divers. That's what <laughs> that might be better than an astronaut. Why don't we buy a submarine? I don't like getting wet. There you go. There's a lot of that going on. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's totally. That's what well, I mean. I think that's really an interesting show. This show, actually. Yeah, I think so too. It, yeah. I mean, we t- touched on a lot. I, I wasn't aware of the uh, UN the Philippine connection. Oh yeah, that's like insane, and that's still out there, which is you know people go diving for treasure, go look for that shit, man. Yeah, that's insane. It, it, and what is it now? Almost fifty years? No, it's sixty years already. More seven. Forty? No, it is. 75, 76 years. That that payroll's still out there. So we all know that gold doesn't rust. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they, oh yeah. They didn't find it. Yeah. Or for a swim after the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> So for some reason, I think three of us are going, buying tickets to the Philippines. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. go. <laughs> we can do the show from anywhere. Of course. That's the great thing. Yeah, we and have, we have any mail? Uh, we do. We just have a couple couple notes. I don't like when you say just. <laughs> These are great. We picked out the best. Oh, of course they're great. But, you know. <laughs> we picked out the best picking out Picking out a few from the, yeah. from the bowl. So this one is from Nancy Mora. And she basically said, Hi, Gianni. I just want to say your story is truly spectacular. Each chapter was riveting every step of the way. I listened to the audiobook, and it was nice to hear your voice. Your story was authentic and captivating. Therefore, thanks for telling it and reading it loud. Oh, that's so people nice. love that you read the audiobook yourself. There's some women that still like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did a good job on that book. Oh, thank you. Know, you it, it lends so much authenticity rather than having a Harvard-educated guy trying to sound like a John Gotti. Oh, yeah. Right. I think it really doesn't, it really adds doesn't a lot work. of value to it. Well, that's why I think we're number one in Apple mm-hmm. on audiobooks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably why. Oh, it, t- it turned out very well. What kind of experience was that for you? I mean, that's... Oh, my God. You know, writing the book as you and you and I did for months to to capsule to capsulize it in a month and i was doing uh one to four hour sessions a day and uh to put my life 75 years of my life and just rehash it in a month that was like that had to have been very emotional oh my god what i broke down and you the people who have the tape know I mean, the stuff in the polio ward was very emotional mm-hmm. to me. And, uh, you know, this, just recollecting the day they came to collect me. Right. You know, I was seven years old. I mean, it, uh, I, but I'm so happy that I did it. And I thought about it a while because I, I figured it was going to be a drain on me, but never realizing it would be that much of a drain. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll tell you right now, if anybody has an extra 20 bucks, that's probably the best $20. I think the audio book's only $19 or something like that. Mm. Being considered for a Grammy, yeah. Hello, what? <laughs> well, thank then, God. Gonna be submitted. Hey, stranger things have happened. A good job. Oh, that's right. I forgot about. Wait, that. is it? Wait, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I mean, forgot about. It. That's why Pat, I'm here. To Pat, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. I, I have six that. Grammys for music. Right. I didn't know audiobooks are nominated for Grammys. That's a, is that a category? It's a category, yes. I didn't know that either. But most laymen don't. I don't think they do it on stage because we're not Okay, right, it's people. not one of those. That's not <laughs> but I want to do it. I want I want to get it. I want to get a Grammy so for cool. my book. That would be so cool. 
and I want to get an Oscar for my music. I mean, my movie. Your movie. Let's go. Let's oh, do it. Doing it. That's my my uh, what I call bucket list. That's your bucket list. Yeah, for the next. 30 I have years. a feeling you might you might accomplish it. Any more mail? So, all right. The last one is another note from a girl named Isabella Russo Tiesi. And she said that she's a senior at Fordham like I am. So we go to the same school, but we don't know each other. Find So she sent you an email and she said... I hope she's not saying she's one of my kids. (laughs) No, I don't think... (laughs) I've got those emails. I don't... That's That was not what it was about. Surprise. Yes, surprise. Here you go. Surprise, Daddy. I'm here. (laughs) And you owe me four years of tuition. (laughs) Yeah, no, not quite. So she said that she stumbled upon the the podcast through me. It came up on her Instagram. So she decided to take a listen and she said she loves listening to the podcast and she loves all of our three personalities together. And she said, she talked about how her family was from Sicily. um, And she said, listening to your podcast makes me proud of my heritage and reminds me to be grateful of all the hardworking Sicilian men who have paved the road for me. So thank you for that. Well, thank God. We got to meet her. I know. I said, I emailed her back. I said, I can't believe we haven't met before. So well, find her, please. I know. Bring I have her to. One night. We'll interview her. Yeah. I'm serious. I would doubt. I think that no, would be great. I, I think Pat and I, that, I mean, that's one of the reasons, thank God, that you are here. Mm-hmm. But we talked about before I even met you that we need this new generation. We need that new pulse. Mm-hmm. And to hear that we're influencing a young lady like this, who's not obviously a moron, she's in school. Yeah, right. And so no, I'm, I'm very serious. We're giving you, I hope she's listening, (laughs) we're giving you an open invitation to come and talk to us about your heritage and about how we influenced you. This is what we're looking to do. She did say that she was hoping someday to tell you of her story in person, so I think that she would love that opportunity. Let's jump in with this. Now, we're going to be uh, supplying a phone number in the next few All in. We're going to have uh, three guests, not all the same night. We're going to spread them out. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a new aspect of the show where our guests, if they can't make it into the uh, studio, uh, will be able to call in and be interviewed that way. So you're going to be uh, experiencing three very unique people to start off with. We won't tell you who they are now. but uh, And I, I, I can see uh, sometime in, in the future where we could be taking uh, phone calls. No? Uh, I, okay. You may. I don't You know who would be calling me? My ex-wife's mothers and how much forget about it. Oh I ain't taking those calls. Are you not? <laughs> hey, that's why they. they no, I'm saying, wait a minute. What's delay. he talking about? A phone line <laughs> for, for the guests to call and not yeah, for the guests, not for yeah. the listeners. Okay, okay, forget the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay with the emails. We can go through them. Yeah, I think emails. I think emails are good. Otherwise, we'll be taking the entire show uh, phone calls. I know. I think the phone will be ringing off the hook. Oh, my God. I remember yeah, okay. when I did... Uh, okay, you have, an, you have a good idea that we're not going to share that number with... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, because That's the thing... That's what we'll be doing. I remember when I did Howard Stern after I came back from... Uh, I, unfortunately, I was with... The, unfortunately, I was with Bill Clinton during 9-11. Uh-huh. So when I came back after it all, you know, months later, and the, 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 we were all out of that shock, unfortunately, of... The, the repercussions and what happened, the death of 9-11, we opened the phone lines. Mm. And I was there for 45 minutes. We we, the, we were jammed. We just couldn't do it anymore and said, you know, show was over. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, uh, thank God that there's that interest. And I love this girl. Yeah. you got to find her. I know. I definitely, I definitely have to. And if you're listening, find Megan. I'm, yes. You have a directory probably on, on campus, don't you? No. Oh, we no. all kind of live different oh. places around campus, but okay. I'm sure I can track her down. All right, please. 
Until next week, thank you all again. Please tell your friends. Obviously, some people are enjoying it. The people who are not, get a life. Anyway. <laughs> Cute. Uh, please get a life. Please get a life. Uh, do us a favor. And come back and then subscribe again. And, there you go. Uh, but God bless you all. Thank you. Hope you have as much fun as we do. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.